When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 11. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dark Paranormal season finale of Series 11. Wow, it truly feels like this season has just flown by. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone who submitted their experience for this season. And also a heartfelt and huge thank you to each and every one of you for making this podcast such a safe space for people to share their true paranormal experiences. The show is called The Dark Paranormal for a reason. We don't deal with the nicer elements of the paranormal, ghost pets or loved ones saying goodbye. We're not disputing they take place. What we are saying is when a darker story happens, for some reason, some people find them much more difficult to believe. Perhaps it's just more palatable to hear a story about little Snowy running between your legs than it is to hear about a black shapeless mass throwing you down the stairs. And that's why I love doing this show and I love each and every one of you for making this place somewhere people can share these encounters. For me, it is and always has been the case that if you believe that your great auntie is stood at the end of your deathbed waiting to take you to the other side, then you also have to believe that something much more malevolent could be waiting in the corner of your bedroom, watching you sleep, waiting to strike. You can't dip your toe in, you can't pick and choose what you believe in the paranormal. It's like water. You can't deny the existence of ice-cold water because you prefer a nice warm bath. Although it's our saying, it's kind of disappointing that I need to state we need to leave our disbelief at the door. I choose to say that because for some of these experiences, they go well above and beyond your average ghost story. Don't get me wrong, there are places for the stories of passed-on loved ones just saying hi. But we don't cover them here. We focus on that thing in the corner. We want to poke at that fight-or-flight response we all have. Because, as I've stated many times before, these things do exist. And as we've proven season on season thanks to you guys... You don't have to be Ed and Lorraine Warren or Zach Bagans to experience the darkness of the paranormal. You can be Claire from a council flat in Liverpool. You can be John from Illinois. It could be me. It could be you. 
being watched right now by something waiting for the right time. You just truly never know. Now, obviously, with this being the finale of season 11, we're going to take our standard two Friday break before the start of season 12. And so the all-important day to look out for is Friday the 21st of July when the show returns for season 12. So if you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen to the show so that it will download automatically on that day. And speaking of season 12, we have eight outstanding episodes already banked for season 12. We have two spaces and about five episodes which I'm mulling over putting in. However, that means that if you have a true paranormal experience that you'd like to hear on The Dark Paranormal, you have a couple of weeks to write it down and send it in, and who knows, it may feature on Season 12. I will just ask you to bear one thing in mind, and that is, although every experience we receive will find an audience to be considered for the main show of The Dark Paranormal, your experience ideally should be around six one-side pages of A4. Slightly under or slightly over is fine, but we find that gives us a full episode to discuss the one experience. And you can send those experiences to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com or visit our website thedarkparanormal.com and click Contact Us. But don't worry, because any experiences shorter than that will still find an audience on our Patreon show, Dark Bites. But what about today's finale? Well, last week I mentioned that this finale is an experience the likes of which I've never received. The reason for its writing and sending is not the usual sharing of an experience. If anything... The submitter has submitted this to rid himself not only of his apparent paranormal experiences, but also of his newly found belief in the paranormal. Questions? Yeah, so did I. Which is why I thought this would make the ideal finale episode before we take that two-week break in between seasons. But before we reach the finale of Season 11, we need to, of course, thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to the Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which releases each and every week, even on the downtime between seasons. Which means not only will you never miss that paranormal fix each and every week, but you also gain first access to the debut episode of Season 12. Plus, you can also gain full access to the entire back catalogue of Dark Bites, currently closing in to close to 50 hours worth of content. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. Now, normally at this point, I read everyone's name who's signed up to Patreon. But because we missed last week's Patreon call, we have quite a few names to get through, 
And due to all of the end-of-season announcements, I'm keen to get to this finale. But don't worry, we'll read off everyone's name at the end of the show. But right now, and for the final time of Season 11, please lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about the exercise. This email didn't feel right to even type. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. The section you're reading right now is being typed after I finished the email. It took two weeks for me to write. I typed a few paragraphs each day, and even now as I type, I'm unsure if I'll even hit send. From having a reread of the mail... I jump back and forth throughout in terms of sounding like a believer, a lunatic, and an awful human being. Or just generally a confused man. And I guess I still am. I've tried my best to keep the chronology straight, but because I wrote this over a number of days, it may jump around a touch. And if so, I'm sorry. After this last reread, I'm sincerely no clearer as to what took place, which was supposed to be the point of this. Perhaps the penny will drop in time. Open brackets. Also, I apologise in advance to the listener if it also comes across mismatched. Any amends or additions from the last reread I've made clearly in red also in brackets such as this. Hopefully, I'll decide to hit send and you'll get this. But honestly, I don't know. Either way, here we go. My name's not Andrew or Andy, but for this exercise, it will be. I should explain when I say exercise. I'm currently in therapy and my therapist believes this will be a beneficial exercise. And I do hope she's right. She thinks if I write this all down, almost like a creative writing task, and send it to someone who deals with these experiences, that I will rationalise what took place, and realise that all I've done is string a series of coincidences together albeit strong ones and personally disturbing ones, and then frame them mentally as paranormal events, creating some fantastical coping mechanism to distract me from the grim realities of life that can befall any of us. Therefore, the following is simply an exercise for me to rid myself of my apparently incorrect framing of things. You see, the paranormal is not, and never has been, a belief of mine. And that is a sentence that held true and was unshakable for a good 52 years of my life. I asked what the point was of writing this if only I and my therapist were to read it. And my therapist suggested I posted it somewhere online that accepts fictional ghost stories. She said it would be a cathartic exercise. 
The trouble is, nothing in the below is fictional. Perhaps, in brackets, no time still saying perhaps, close brackets. It's only my thought about it and its otherworldliness that's fictional. My close friends and I discussed a place to send this jumbled chronology to. Some suggested Reddit, but I don't want feedback. I don't want comments. Then a friend's wife suggested your podcast. Listener submitted experiences. Well, apologies, I'm not a listener. But prior to sending, I've listened to a few episodes, and I believe it's a good choice. So, all that said, this leads me to send the below. Feel free to edit, remove, do what you wish. If you use this on the podcast, fine. If not, that's fine too. That's not the point of the exercise. We retired young, my wife Angela and I, due to a run of good investments and a large amount of luck. We were able to leave our professions, sell up, and get out of the city and head up north to quite literal greener pastures. Our dream was a farm-type environment. Not that either of us had any idea on how to run a farm, of course. In reality, we basically wanted a quaint English cottage, out in the middle of nowhere, with plenty of land. So if we wanted to have animals, chickens or whatever, then we could. We stayed with Angela's family whilst we searched for this ideal space. Angela's parents are both in their 80s and are wonderful people. Her mother, Ruth, is a typical bohemian, wonderfully strange New Age type. All incense and talismans. Roger, her father, was almost the utter opposite. A straight-laced former magistrate. A solid and intimidating man, even at the age he was. Opposites do in fact attract, I guess. Any time we were sent to propose new abode to review by our agent, Angela would print it off on her parents' printer, and both she and her mother Ruth would huddle on the couch. Ruth would place the glasses that hung around her neck on the very edge of her nose and hold the paper out at arm's length, slowly bringing it closer to have a better look. Why they even bothered going through this ritual each time, I'll never know, because it always ended with Ruth saying, Very nice, dear, handing her back the paper and patting her on the leg with a smile. The trouble was, nothing we were offered truly lit a fire within us. But that changed when a small cottage, Mardale, was sent through by our estate agent. Mardale seemed perfect. Even I, normally rather unemotional when viewing these places, felt a deep desire to have this place. Angela seemed just as keen, if not more so. With a big smile, she returned from the printer, sat next to her mother, shaking the print of Mardale in her hand. Think we found it, Mum, she said, smiling. Ruth went through her usual steps, glasses balancing on the end of her nose, arm extended out. But Ruth's face changed. 
honestly to the point where I thought Angela was maybe playing a prank, with the paper showing a guy with his part out or similar. But no, said Ruth, rubbing some crystal or other dangling from her neck, methodically shaking her head. You can't live there. It's not for you, she said, placing the paper to the side. It's not for anyone. She removed her glasses and abruptly left the room. Her husband Roger looked at me and shrugged and followed his wife to garner more details about the reaction. What was that about? An equally confused Angela asked me from the couch. I shook my head. Not a clue? But what do you think anyway? Because I personally love it, I said. Me too. Angela replied, picking back up the paper and staring, trying to find whatever had clearly dissuaded her mother. Me too, she repeated. And so, despite Ruth's not-so-subtle protests, we moved the near 300 miles north to our new home, Mardale. It was an original 1700s farmhouse, which had been both extended and renovated set in ten acres of its own land. The drive to the house itself saw us both grinning from ear to ear as the motorway became A roads, then B roads, then became standard roads, and then came the right turn down an allegedly two-way road, but so narrow that the sight of oncoming traffic would have caused a heart attack. And finally, after a few miles and one final right turn, there it was, Mardale, our new home. Different deliveries of our belongings arrived seemingly non-stop for the first week, until we had everything and could finally begin unpacking and settling in. As we pulled things from boxes, deciding where things would go, Angela pulled out a black crystal rock the size of a fist. What on earth is that? I asked. She rolled her eyes. I know, I know, she replied. Mum said it was a moving in gift and it should be on display in the living room. Right, I replied. Angela walked over to the fireplace of the farmhouse living room, placing this ugly, out-of-place rock on the hearth of the fire. It looks like coals just fell out of the fireplace, I partially joked. Yeah, I know, I know. I'll get a stand for it or something, she agreed. Oh, good, I sarcastically replied. Angela pulled a face at my sarcasm and we both laughed. Open brackets. Writing that last part made me rather emotional, and so the following is being written on a different day, just in case you know to change in my cadence. Close brackets. We were settled in pretty quickly, and the place felt homely enough almost instantly. For the layout, the original farmhouse contained our living room, the stairs and the two front bedrooms, which we planned as our own separate studies. Added on to the building from the right stair side was the extension. Initially, I imagine it was simply two bedrooms and an outdoor toilet, However, the extension meant that turning left at the top of the stairs would keep you in the original home, 
and turning right led you to an elongated hallway with a master bedroom with ensuite and a large bathroom. Underneath that sat a small original kitchen and to the side leading from the living room led a conservatory whose double doors opened up onto the acres of land. It was a truly beautiful sight. Angela's only request was that we would eventually build on the kitchen and extend it out. She wanted one of those kitchen island breakfast bar things, like an American-style kitchen, saying she could picture it perfectly and had an eye for design. But otherwise, everything was as we dreamt it. As I stood admiring the view, I heard the front door close. I turned and there was Angela, stood holding that hideous rock from the hearth. That's really out of order, Andy, she said. I clearly looked bewildered. Can you tell me what this was doing in the outside bin? I think I choked on my coffee at the accusation. I, I haven't touched the bloody thing, I replied. Then, realising I'd been rather curt, I joked... Not that I'm saying it shouldn't stay there, though. Angela didn't laugh. She just sighed and returned it to the metal plinth that she'd purchased for its place on the hearth. Just don't be sly, she said under her breath as she passed. Again, I reacted. It seriously wasn't me, I protested. Maybe with all the boxes we've been from the move, it's just fallen into one. Who knows, she muttered with zero belief as she went pottering about the kitchen. I just shook my head. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not an arsehole, even if I didn't like the damn thing. That day, I was waiting on a little present that I'd purchased for myself, a moving-in present for myself, if you will, a small ride-on lawnmower. Given the land we now had, maintaining it was going to be a challenge but also gave me a chance for an almost meditative, mindful drive up and down the land once a week. The idea being that we would maintain the initial half-acre as a back garden and the rest was TBC. Angela was busy kitting out her study when the mower arrived, and I, like an eager child, wanted to get on it as soon as possible. So, after it's all set up, headphones in, ear defenders on, and off I went. I set off on my first of many straight lines back and forth on our new back garden. Halfway through, I could see it was working perfectly, the differing cuts forming the ideal magazine-type striped green country lawn. I saw Angela watching me from the office, so I gave her a wave. She didn't wave back, though, clearly still miffed from... A phone call interrupted my playlist on my headphones, so I turned off the mower and pulled out my phone. It was Angela. Hiya. Look at this. What do you think, then? About what? she asked. Well, the garden, obviously, I replied. How would I know? I'm at the Apple store in town. I glanced back up to the office. No, Angela. Uh oh I replied. 
She continued to tell me about how she'd finally gone in to have her phone looked at after months of complaining about it freezing on her. All the while, I kept my eyes firmly fixed on the office window. When she ended the call, I jumped at the sound of the music automatically playing in my ears again. Taking a deep breath and even chuckling to myself, I leant over to start the engine when, to my left, in the newly cut grass, something metal shimmered at me. I hopped off the mower, walked over and knelt down. Parting the grass, it looked like the top of a coin, embedded in the soil. The blades of the mower must have knocked a few layers off and revealed this scuffed metallic surface. I gave it a small pull, but it didn't budge. Digging my thumb and finger in deeper to gain some purchase, I was surprised when both tips touched each other. Either the coin had a hole in the centre, or it wasn't a coin. Now using my forefinger as a hook, I gave a yank, and out came a large, muddy, old, rusted key. Using my shirt to wipe off the dirt, it was clearly used for some sort of lock that would have been for an outbuilding or similar. Well, we did have one outbuilding, which we were still deciding what to use for, but that too had been renovated. Modern doors and windows and locks. Ever a lover of fascinating little random pieces like this, I popped it in my top pocket, hopped back on the mower and continued with the lawn. When I finished, Angela was already home, unpacking groceries and telling me how apparently all the phone needed was a new battery. As she continued talking, I placed the key on the sideboard. She stopped and looked down at it. What the hell's that? she asked. I found it when I was mowing the lawn, I said proudly. And? she replied. Jesus, Andy, is this what retirement looks like? You presented me with crap you find in the... A loud thud came from the living room that caused us both to pause. Heading in at equal speed, nothing seemed out of place. Everything looked... Oh my God, Angela said, pointing at the wall. The wall in between the living room and the hallway now had a huge hole in the plasterboard, exposing the old farmhouse brick behind. The culprit? Well, to the naked eye, it would appear the giant black rock had once again left its plinth and this time decided to throw itself against the wall. We had a settee pushed against that wall, and there it was, sat motionless on the middle cushion surrounded by small bits of plaster. We just looked at each other. I must admit, believe her or not, and as much as I'm trying to tie this all in a neat little bow, this I truly can't explain. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. 
And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank accounts. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Both of us stayed silent, staring at the rock on the couch. I'm going to ask mum about it, Angela said. I recall feeling very emasculated at this comment. God knows why. And what exactly do you think your mum's going to say, eh? It's a magic moving rock with a bit of a temper, I snapped back. I've always had a base reaction of frustration if I can't explain something rationally. Angela's face changed as she uncharacteristically turned angrily to me and said, Do you want to know the truth? She began. I've been feeling creeped out ever since we moved in. I think I tutted or shook my head. My mum knew there was something not right about this place, she muttered to herself, and then she turned with a face of anger towards me. She bloody knew. She poked my chest with those three words. Now we've had our ups and downs, slammed the occasional door, but we've never so much as laid a finger on each other let alone poked each other in anger. So I was taken aback. This was not only a first, it was beyond out of character. Oh, come on, I said. You agreed with me. It's perfect. No, she said. I said, let's give it a go. You said it was perfect. You just hear what you want to hear. Well, this certainly wasn't my recollection of what was said. This whole conversation, her face, 
her tone. It wasn't her. Ah, but it was. I realised it was her when she was terrified. I'd seen it maybe twice before, always when something had happened which she had no control over, something she didn't like. But again, never to this extent. I decided not to reply. Instead, I decided to make a cup of coffee as Angela went upstairs to our bedroom to call her mother. Coffee pods. We definitely brought at least one unopened box with us. But I scoured that kitchen, and then it dawned on me that they were upstairs in my office. Typical. Not wanting to appear rude, I crept upstairs as quietly as I could, silently lifting the box and making my way down the hall to the stairs. And that's when I heard Angela say, It's not just that, Mum. When I just pulled up, Andy was watching me from the living room. I came in and started talking to him from the kitchen, and then he walked through the back door. He'd been in the garden all that time. Well, that made me freeze, because that's both of us seeing some mystery person, someone watching both of us on the same day. I zoned out of the conversation as I stood still looking around, thinking where I could install internal cameras. And then I began slowly sneaking down the... I watched as my right foot accidentally kicked the key I'd just unearthed from the top step down the stairs. I didn't even question how it had moved from the kitchen to that step. I was more concerned about hearing the angry words, One minute, Mum, and proceeded to be confronted by a wide-eyed Angela. Are you listening to my conversation? She pointed her mobile phone at me as she spoke. Thankfully, I had the box of coffee pods in my hand. I nodded at them and in a hushed tone said, No, no, I was trying to stay quiet whilst you were on the phone. She returned to the bedroom, slamming the door. I reached the hall and bent down and picked up the key. And it was hot. Tolerable to hold, but still hot. In brackets... This I can't rationalise. I'm not framing this. It was physically hot. From a cool counter in the kitchen to a colder still wooden step. And it was hot. Close brackets. Forgive me, it's a few days since I wrote for this. Writing that last part had me with my head in my hands because it happened. Nothing coincidental or explainable about it. It happened. But I've compartmentalised it now, and I'll continue. So Angela, the following day, I believe, was sat in the living room drinking tea, leaning forward holding her cup, looking rather anxious, clearly elsewhere. I sat next to her and asked what was wrong. She said her mother had explained that she felt there was something in the house an evil and old presence to quote her verbatim Ruth always fancied herself as some sort of psychic the thing is Angela was as rational as I and would often roll her eyes when she would have a feeling but this had clearly phased her 
she nodded towards the ugly rock on the hearth. She said that's why she gave us that. It's black tourmaline, apparently. I rubbed her leg and glanced at the rock. Okay, and what's that then? I asked. Protection. Protection against evil. Oh, right, I replied. But internally, I was just thinking this was all horseshit. We sat in silence for a while. That's why it's trying to get rid of the stone, Angela said, gazing deep at the rock. It being, I asked. Angela dropped her cup and her body went limp. She slumped off the couch before I could catch her, hitting the left side of her face hard on the floor. In immediate panic, I didn't know what to do but shake her and repeatedly scream her name. And slowly she came around, and I positioned her back against the wall, running off to get some water. What happened? What happened? Are you okay? Angela sipped the water and then asked why she was on the floor. You just fainted or something, I said. Shall we call the doctor? Angela waved off the idea, shaking her head and continuing to finish the water. Her cheek was beginning to bruise already, and there was a slight cut to her eyebrow. I went back to the kitchen and got some damp kitchen roll. When I returned, all of five seconds later, Angela was now standing, like nothing had happened holding the black tourmaline rock under her arm like it was a football. Listen, I have a banging headache. I'm going for a lie down. Can you clear all this up, please? She nodded at the china on the floor. Bewildered by the last five minutes, I just nodded as she and her black rock headed upstairs to bed. Trying to calm myself down, I went back to the kitchen to get the brush and dustpan. When I noticed the rusty key was in front of the under-sink cupboard, I glanced at the key hook I'd placed it on near the back door, thinking the whole hook must have fallen, but no, it was firmly in place, with all the other house keys still untouched. I picked up the key and I returned it to the hook, it seems silly now to describe a hook, but this hook was made in such a way that it kind of looped back on itself, as in you'd need to lift the key and slide it towards the wall to bring it off. Basically, there was no way it could have just fallen, unless I placed it precariously on top of the hook, which is possible. But I didn't hear it hit the kitchen tile. I didn't notice when I went to get the kitchen roll. That said, it could have been missed within all the panic. That evening, I woke in the early hours to use the bathroom. It was still dark outside. As I crept around the bed trying to not wake Angela up, I noticed she in fact wasn't in bed. I felt a surge of panic, given her passing out earlier. Angela? I shouted. No reply. Heading out of the hallway, I could see into both offices and the bathroom, and they were all empty. So I headed down the stairs, and... As I reached the bottom step, 
I saw her pyjamas in a ball in the hallway. And then I saw her. She was knelt down in the kitchen, naked, slowly scratching at the wood under the doors of the sink cupboard. I picked up her pyjamas and walked over slowly. She had slept walk before, but only for a short period after we sadly suffered a miscarriage. But that was down to obvious trauma, and it was never naked. This was out of nowhere. I rubbed her back, and slowly gripping her shoulders, rose her to her feet. She had one eye closed, and the other slightly open and flickering white, her eyeball rolling back and forth in her head. I made soft shushing sounds and began leading her out of... As she rose, she dropped the thing she was holding, which was the key I found in the garden. I'd pick that up tomorrow. Getting Angela back to bed was the priority. Eventually settling her into bed, she began snoring, and I stood back in general concern. I also noticed I couldn't see the black rock anywhere in the room, but again, enough for tonight. I went to the bathroom and lay awake all night. Sorry, this is a new day of writing. I've had a break of two days, so again, if things aren't fluid, I do apologise. I must have dropped off eventually, because Angela woke me with an oi. I turned and she's fully dressed and seemingly fine minus the bruised cheek, and she's holding the black rock. In the fucking bin again, she shouted. I was too tired, too confused, too flustered. What? I mumbled. Mum's rock. You've put it in the outside bin again. Honestly, I'll glue it to that bloody hearth, God help me. She left the room before I had the chance to reply. The next few days and nights seemed peaceful enough, although Angela said she sometimes felt lightheaded. Then one night I popped downstairs for some water, and there's the key again, in the same spot on the kitchen floor. Enough was enough. What with everything going on, I decided we would have internal CCTV, focused on the downstairs hallway, just above the front door, therefore covering the hallway which led into the kitchen and also to the side of the living room. One morning, about a week after I'd fitted it, I awoke before Angela. I showered and I headed downstairs. And there's Angela's pyjamas in a ball in the hallway. And there's the key in that same space on the kitchen floor. I ran into the living room, turning on the TV to the CCTV channel and navigated through the previous night's footage. At 2.30am, something, which I could only imagine to be the key, moves across the kitchen floor. But it was too small for me to confidently make it out. Fifteen minutes later, Angela, slowly, step by step, shuffled into view. She heads to the right and disappears into the living room. 
Then she comes back into frame, holding the black tourmaline rock, heading towards the camera, and disappears. Which can only mean one thing. She's gone outside. She soon returns walking away from the camera towards the kitchen, minus the rock, and stops in the middle of the hall. She removes her pyjamas and her underwear and she walks to the spot where I'd just seen the key. She drops to her knees and again seemingly starts scratching at the wood underneath the sink. Now here's the thing. The sink overlooks the lawn. And as Angela dropped, something, silhouetted, is looking back at her through the window and drops a split second after her. I go frantically back and forth on the footage, trying to get a still image of whatever or whoever this thing is. It's taller than Angela, by at least a foot, and it seems to have, as ridiculous as this sounds, some sort of crown of thickets or similar around its head, or at the very least a ring of sorts. I run upstairs and wake Angela... And after she asks me why she's naked, she groggily grabs a dressing gown and follows me down the stairs. I set her on the couch and tell her to watch the screen. But the paused image isn't there. Nothing is there but the live footage. I'm going through menu after menu, and it soon became evident the footage was deleted. Did I delete it in my haste to wake Angela? Have I inadvertently hit a wrong button? Perhaps. But at that point, I lost it. I think I even scared Angela. No! I yelled. Here! I said, grabbing her hand and forcefully leading her through the front door to the outside bin, opening it, and as expected, there was the rock. I picked it up and began explaining what was on the tape, how she herself had removed the rock, how she'd undressed, how something had been outside, like it was directing her. She was silent, seemingly in disbelief. But she could tell by how I was acting that this was, from my perspective anyway, 100% true. Eventually, she said, I think I'll ask Mum to come and stay with us for a bit. I think I shrugged, still frustrated at the missing footage. I think you need to get to the doctors too. I kind of snapped again. Although Angela didn't snap back, she nodded slowly, rubbed her head and said, I think you're right. Today is a new day of writing. I'll be brief with this part, but long story short, for my heart's sake, Angela was diagnosed with a brain tumour, and it was caught too late. It was inoperable, and she, at best, had months. After this shattering news, a few things happened. First, her mother initially moved in with us. Second, her sleepwalking stopped though the key would still be on the floor each morning. 
And thirdly, acting out of nothing but sheer hopelessness, I very quickly arranged for work to start on the kitchen extension. It's silly what you fixate on when you're in that situation. But Angela never asked for a thing. She was not materialistic. But she wanted that kitchen, and she was going to get it. Angela spent the next few days in a haze, as we all did. But she was the bravest person I've ever seen. Smiles for everyone. And even I was kind of convinced that she'd made her peace. I, however, had done anything but. I was a mess. I was angry and snappy with the contractors who were working on the kitchen. Oh, and it didn't help that Angela had to move back in with her parents because some idiot had decided to put the kitchen out of action. And so I would alternate my time. I'd spend a day at Mardale, then a day at her mother's. Angela seemed fine, and it broke me thinking how she could look so well, yet be dying in front of me. Then, one morning, I arrived at Mardale, and the head contractor called me over. OK, he began. He rubbed his chin and removed his hard hat. Couple of things, he said. First, and we don't know what the hell this is, but this morning, he picked up a hessian sack and opened it. All this was scattered around the front path here. It was shards of black glass. Black tourmaline, to be precise. So we had to sweep it all up to get the vans in. I nodded. So there's that, and this one's going to sound weird, but yesterday we found this. He led me through to the work site, which was formerly the kitchen, and pointed at where the sink had once stood. And there was a trapdoor. A thick, wooden trapdoor. Open. Filled to the floor level with solid earth, as if it had a door to nowhere. I looked at the back of the hatch, and its lock clearly fitted the old type of key one would find say, buried in a garden. I had no idea that was there, I said, shaking my head. Yeah, he replied, scratching his. That's not the total weird thing, really. He sort of laughed. The lad who forced it opens called in sick today. I nodded. He said, and take it with a pinch of salt. But he said when he opened it, he turned to get me, and some black shape pushed him back, knocking him over. Then it apparently shot back down the hatch. He pointed at the square of earth and dropped his hand quickly. Did he say what it looked like? I asked. The guy looked at me as if to question why that would be my response. He shook his head slowly and started walking away before stopping, clicking his finger, pointing at his head and saying, Oh yeah, he reckoned it had on a crown. The finger at his head then spun to imply the guy was a lunatic. Anyway, all that nonsense aside, we're going to have to double-check this foundation 
so it'll set things back a few days. I just nodded, thinking over and over about the image I'd seen on that CCTV. By the time the kitchen was finished, my Angela had already passed away. Her deterioration was so sudden and so quick, none of us were prepared. I didn't want to spend any time at Mardale. I placed it on the market with a local estate agent, and they knew the house, and remarked how better it looked with the extended kitchen, which made my heart sink that Angela never got to see it, but also made me smile that her eye for design had been recognised. We might even get some locals interested this time. It shook off that haunted house vibe now. I must have made an inquisitive face, because she replied, Oh, it's just silly stories. Allegedly years ago it was a secret meeting place for witches around the area. She moved her wrist as if to say, It's all nonsense because it is all nonsense, apparently. Best wishes, Andy. Well, Andy, and I know that's not your name, and I know you're probably not listening, but thank you for submitting your experience, and I'm sincerely sorry for your loss. In all my years doing this podcast... I've never experienced an email presented in that way. And if you are listening, I hope you find some peace through your therapy. I know both I and the listeners out there will be looking and listening at those red flags and what you experienced and wondering how can you try to deny those were paranormal experiences. But as you've proven in your email... Life is hard enough, and none of us are in a position to tell other people what to believe. I think it was John Lennon who said, whatever gets you through the night, and I truly believe that. And so, whether you're listening or not, thank you for submitting that experience. And I do hope the exercise helped in some way. And so that wraps things up for Season 11 of The Dark Paranormal. But don't worry, we will return on Friday the 21st of July. Mark that date in your calendar or simply subscribe to the show and ensure you do not miss that debut episode. Of course, our Patreons will receive that episode before everyone else and as promised at the start, we have quite a few of them to say thank you to. And so, a huge thank you to our newest team members, John Dow, Rachel Lynn, Samuel Pereira, Bry, Mike Chizuk, Brianna Beaton, Gabriella Richardson, Trisha Valliancourt, Sandra McHale, Shari, Louisa Goodman, Colleen, Sherry West, Alexandria C, Shannon Robinson, Luke Mosky, James H, Celeste Urbina, Spooky Sook, Emma Grace Barrow, Sylvia Vinham, Will Gav Heard, Fatima Nishikan, Jessica Harris, Nolan, Laurie Greatrex, Natalie Israel, Emilio Jimenez, Stephanie Davis, Lizzie and Dave, Zach Nelson, Melissa Taylor, Mark Hortner, Sari Ali Sahadeo, Kathy McGill, Mariah Maldonado, Sam King, Quinn Tracy, Bernard. Now Meglinks, Alyssa Bird, Stephanie Harris, Kim Reagan, James Rowe, 
Clint, Mark Evans, Desiree M, Darylin, John Stallion, Lee Holt, Melissa Sandoval, Life, Coffee and Frantic Hair Dye Podcast, M Cameron, Brilliant, NR, Amanda and Gus, Jose, Dylan Guerrero, Exiba, Chloe Hayden, Mango Slices, Tamara Steele, Morgan Collins and Mariah Ramidos. Thank you so much for supporting the show and joining our already wonderful community. I hope you enjoy all the mid-season shows you'll receive and, of course, the early ad-free release of the debut episode of Season 12. If you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. For those Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites and for everyone... A huge thank you for choosing to spend your time with me here on your show, The Dark Paranormal. And I'll see you next time for the start of Season 12 on the 21st of July. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, right here on The Dark. Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.